All right, here we go. Black and blonde. Roe v. Wade. Oh, great. I'm black. And I am blonde. And that sounds like a very pleasant topic for today. Yeah, I don't think this one's going to be a good one, Natasha. Well, good, probably in content. Oh. But not happy. No, I guess I... Or real but, shitty. We don't uh, know. Right. I mean, I guess I thought, I don't believe this is going to be a real uplifting episode. No. I don't, I don't know if any... We're doing a podcast on race. What's really uplifting? That's true. Well, we have had a couple episodes where we've tried a little bit more. Like, remember Black Excellence? Remember that one? We did remember Black that, Excellence. Remember that one time we tried? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is. We're going to own it, and we're going to do it. Yeah, and we just titled it what it is. We're not going to try to come up with something um, that is going to, I don't know, get away from what we're going to talk about today, which is Roe v. Wade. Before we do that, um, since we have last been at the table, we got a puppy. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah, I know. Oh, So it's been a week. It has been a week with little Nipsey Doo. I Um, call him Nipsey Doodle. Yeah, we call him a lot of things. We do. Um, sometimes I call him motherfucker and you get mad at me. I, I do get so mad at you. That is terrible. Well, I can't even believe you just said that on the pod. Well, sometimes he's rotten. He is not rotten. And it's just a little term of endearment. Oh, it's not <laughs> a term of endearment in any way. Um, but it is no joke, puppy life. I mean, we're trying. I think, you know, we have to, we do have to say he's good. Oh my gosh. He slept from 10 to six last night. So amazing. I mean, it is amazing to the point that I think we're disrupting him in the morning because we like, yeah, he's like, excuse me. It's still sleeping. He sleeps a ton mm-hmm. and um, he has a couple bursts of energy at various points of the day and he needs to be watched at all times. But the whole like bathroom and chewing, I just think he's been so good. He's had a couple incidences with the bathroom. A couple. Um, but overall, it's not like he's pissing about the whole house. No. Um, and he, knock on wood, he's generally chewing on his toys. Yes. And if he, well, and really, I think that's the, I mean, he hasn't, we haven't found him like really gnawing on something he shouldn't be. Have you? I haven't. No. And the funny thing is we go out the deck door to let him out back and we both just leave our sandals there. And that's like his favorite sleeping spot is on top of shoe. Yeah. He hasn't, I mean, he, sometimes he'll like kind of sniff it and then just put his head down. So he's actually the weirdest sleeper in the history of the world. I mean, he lays on his back. How many do you think I have? Oh, you have about 17,000 pictures of him sleeping in the same position. He's so cute, though. The today he was laying in his little bed, um, and his bed's high. For him, his mm-hmm. bed's high, and he just had his head hanging off of it kind of backwards. And I was like, nothing about that looks comfortable. But he just, just All knocked over it. the I took him out. to the vet on Monday. He weighed a whopping two pound, two and three quarter pounds. He's a hefty boy. I mean, like my mom said, a bag of powdered sugar weighs more than him. I know. I mean, it was, and today was a big day for the old nips. Yeah. Uh, he had his first bath. He, <laughs> and he did a great job. He actually did. I mean, he did fabulous. I mean, he didn't love it, but. No, but he didn't like whine and he wasn't clawing his way out and we, he let us brush him. Like he, I mean, all in all, the dog is like made for you and me. Now he, oh, this land was made for you and me. No, I wasn't. This land in no way was this made for you This land was you made me. for shit. No. Um, but now he smells like a combination of lavender, chamomile, and wet dog. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than wet dog smell, no matter what your shampoo smells like. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll be fine. But anyways, it's things are going pretty well. Mm-hmm. Our neighbor just got a dog. Yes. Same age. And so a, a great deal larger because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Bernadoodle. Yeah. But now Nipsey has a new little pal. 
That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So that has happened in our week um, and our democracy just is crumbling right around us. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing we have the puppy to mm-hmm. like, I do. And I mean this sincerely, I think to just like take, get some joy to have a distraction to pay attention to something other than like literally a shithole country. Yes. Cause we're watching Ozark, which is not a lighthearted watch either. So Mm-mm. we are living in this crumbling democracy. We are watching Ozark and I will say, I really enjoy Ozark. We're three seasons in. I well, like now it. I do. Initially it was tough. Yeah. But I really like it anyway. So yeah, he has brought us great joy. And, um, before we get into, um, some deeper content on Roe v. Way, uh, last week we did some shit jabbering which I think it's kind of funny that we actually called an episode essentially what we do in every episode, but um, but we didn't really have a topic. And what you've been thinking about? Well, first then? of all, I've been thinking about like really just let's name our podcast Shit Jabbering. <laughs> Instead of Black Blonde Pod. Yeah, because that's I mean, really what it fair. is. Um, truth, I don't have a reflection. Um, I did listen to this week's episode. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did. But I'm just, and maybe this was a reflection from last week because so much of what we've talked about has to do with the country and the world. And I'm just really thinking about how, where we are as a country can feel super hopeless. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say go out and vote because even that seems like, I mean, I'm going to vote, but even that seems like what's the fucking point. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, I think we go through this world wanting to leave it better for the next generation, for the people that come behind us. And poof, this ain't it. No. Um, well, you, I won't agree with you on, you know, I'm not going to tell people to go vote. I am going to tell people to go vote. And I don't. I'm not saying ever, don't go vote. I'm just saying it's hard to, because that seems to be what I'm hearing right now. Like, get out there in November. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. I mean, please ugh. get out there in November. Please, please, please. If you don't believe that it matters, um, you know, let's go back to all the women who didn't vote for Hillary because I just really didn't like her. So I will just, say 94% of black women voted for Hillary. So mm-hmm. I I'm mean, just going to throw yeah, that out let me, there. Let me rephrase that. Let me go back to all the white women living in the suburbs who didn't want to vote for Hillary because I didn't like her. And like, I'm going to move on from that. But I just think like if people are not able, we're going to get into it um, about the power of your vote and people can talk about a two-party system and, you know, what matters and what doesn't, but it's the system we have right now. So until that system gets dismantled, which I don't know that it will in my lifetime, um, don't well, come talking. Well, it's just imploding on itself, so right. we maybe don't even have to worry about totally, it. Totally, totally. So, and I think my reflection, I listened early in the week, um, pre, you know, this whole shit fire dumpster mess that came out, but... Shit fire dumpster mess. Yeah, I don't know. I like it. Um I just, I did appreciate, I think, us modeling for people how, again, 80, now we're 87 episodes in. But um, again, if you are this far along with us and don't think you can just start a conversation and have a messy one, I don't know. I just, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And like, I think I am so proud of us for just being confident enough to put a headphones on each week and be confident enough to say, let's just talk today. I, I just really liked it. I agree with you. And I don't even think it was messy. It just, it wasn't focused. Per, yeah. There wasn't a, a direction or something like, I think even when we have, you know, cause we have this kind of little outline. Um, but even when we have that, it gives us a place to go. Like I can start thinking about and processing some of my own thoughts about it. And last week we just didn't know. We just, Jabbered. Yeah. And I do though. I, I like the concept of public, uh, performity. No, pu- per- 
Performative publicity. (laughs) (laughs) Performative publicity. But, um, all right. So this week, you know, right here we go. And yesterday we looked at each other and we said, this is, you know, this is the episode. And there were 8 million things on Twitter. And I'll tell you two things that resonated with me. One was Glennon Doyle uh, tweeted about, you know, I think it was a text message um, exchange with her sister. And they were talking about there's been the Great Depression. There's been people who lived through Jim Crow. um, And we are living in what was termed, she termed, the Great Backslide, which I just thought, like, that's something to think about. And I think, you know, I don't know, I think it feels like a shit slide, a mud slide, a something. But we are definitely um, looking backwards at um, the removal of rights and taking away rights, which is not something I've experienced in my lifetime. So um, that quote or that phrase resonated with me. And then also, um, I saw a quote by Gloria Steinem, which I thought we thought could center the conversation, but the quote I think was from in 2019. Um, she did an interview, Gloria Steinem, and she said, you can't maintain racism or caste or class without controlling reproduction and who has children with whom. And so in a deep anthropological sense, you can't uproot racism or sexism separately. And I think there are people out there that um, are thinking this isn't a conversation about race. So I think people are like, really, like they're going to bring Roe v. Wade and bring it into race. And and I did tell you, like, I don't think it's really just about race. I think it's like, yeah, we're going to talk about race because that's what we do. And I think it's so much bigger than that. It is literally about just removing rights from people, Mm -hmm. just people. We don't have to label the people. It's just people. And we would be wholeheartedly remiss if we did not think about who is most impacted by this. And I don't want to, and I say that not trying to take away from white women or people with uteruses, like anyone that it, or just people, like everyone who knows someone who has had to make the choice to have an abortion is impacted. So I will just say that. I don't want to uh, dismiss that. Um, and I lost my turn. And we do know what the data tells us around maternal mortality rate. So I think both of those things can be true. We are not taking away the impact this has on all women of all races, anyone with a uterus, and the decision and that is... families. Totally. And families right. that are impacted by, by that. But I, I mean, I think before we go deeper into um, just the larger implications of this, specifically within, I mean, going back to that quote, like, how, so how does this maintain racism? Well, it keeps marginalized women, black women, marginalized. We know that maternal mortality rates in the U.S. just in general are the highest maternal mortality rates in the developed world. Again, something to be first in, right? Like, yep, congratulations. Yep, congratulations. And they've risen steadily over time. So I think even mm-hmm. just the increase in statistics, crazy, ridiculous. And with that steadily raising uh, maternal mortality rate, black women are three times more likely to die in pregnancy or childbirth than white women. Black women are three times more likely to die in pregnancy or childbirth than white women. And the maternal mortality rates are higher in the states that are likely to ban abortions. So now you have impacted black women at a greater rate, and the majority of them live in states where there's probably going to be a ban on abortion. So like the the racial component, again, that I think we could quickly look beyond because it's like, well, it impacts me as well. It's a little bit like COVID. Yep, we were all impacted by COVID 
and again, another way to keep marginalized communities, marginalized poor people poor, poor people poor. Mm-hmm. And then you think about wealth in this country, who's impacted by wealth. Oh, sure. Like, so like it's layers of race in this conversation. There is a significant wealth gap in this country. So when it comes to the ability to, so for example, in the state of Minnesota, we are literally surrounded by um, trigger states. Mm-hmm. Um, so states that will have abortion laws go into effect. So I am a black woman who makes significantly less than my white peers. I, this is hypothetical, by the way. Um, and I need to have an abortion and I live in South Dakota. How do I get to Minnesota to be able to have that legal and safe abortion that I can't afford? Likely, it is more likely that a white woman would be able to f- afford that um, safe and legal abortion by getting to the state of Minnesota. So it's there is just such a broad-reaching impact of this, not only to mention the fact that this is one um, civil rights case, one one thing that was overturned. The implications are far reaching in what else might be overturned, whether it is gay marriage, whether it is fucking interracial marriage. I don't know. Hell, why don't we just roll it right on back to slavery? I don't really know anymore. Access to contraception. I mean, you just think about like literally when they're showing birth control pills. I mean, I am like, this is dystopian. Like this is like, I'm watching like, might they question birth control pills? Like it is, it is a level of danger and seriousness, like I can't even say it's irrational. Like it is, it is dangerous. It is it's a da- exactly it's dangerous. And something I read and I mentioned to you that is so significantly different about this than was it 1973? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, well, Roe versus Wade. Yeah, Roe versus Wade. 1973. Yeah, What's so significantly different than this is that we live in a world of digital surveillance. Mm-hmm. Our medical records are everywhere. There are. Um, menstruation apps, you know, where you can mm-hmm. go onto an app and say when you're menstruating. Um, we just are digitally surveilled and digitally present. So like our information is out there. So if someone, people are like, this isn't going to happen, it's not going to happen. Do you know how fucking easy it's going to be? Mm-hmm. Or should I have to prove, oh no, I missed my period this month because I, I don't know, I have irregular periods, but now I've got to prove to someone that I didn't actually abort a fetus. Like we are just, we are living in a really, really potentially horrible, not potentially, it's horrible. It's horrible. But like the the magnitude of horror Mm -hmm. to come is just, it's really frightening. And what's even more frightening is when Obama was president and he had control of the presidency and Congress and he didn't pass, he didn't codify Roe versus Wade. And I'm not, I'm not blaming him. I just, I just want to say when he didn't do that. To think that that's now going to happen somewhere is baffling. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know the recourse. I don't know the next step after all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about is just, you know, we're talking about five people. So four men, know, four men and one lonely bitch. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, you know, so much of this, so there's a racial component to it, you know, and I think just before we get to the, the five people, um, you know, thinking about your example and, you know, I'm in South Dakota, I'm a black woman. And so this is where, this is where systems of, um, racism come into play, right? You think about employment discrimination, you think about geographic discrimination, you think about wealth gap, you think about just access to healthcare that's 
valuable and helpful for black women. Well, we don't even like, live in a nation that that gives affordable health care. Exactly, so that's a different exactly. conversation. So I mean I think though, you know, you think about somebody who's like, well why couldn't the black woman and the white woman drive to Minnesota? So like just again, jobs hourly jobs versus salary jobs, paid time off versus no vacation, Um, you know, gas prices, cars, hotel prices, staying somewhere. History with medical. I mean, I just think there is a lack of trust with the medical process, right? Right. And so do I trust to drive to Minnesota where I don't, you know what I mean? Like there's just a lot a lot later in that. I wanted to slow down in that because I think there's a, there's a, ease in which somebody could be like, it's South Dakota, it's right next door, like just, just drive. And so I think just the, and you know, Natasha, I just think there's probably a pod episode somewhere for uh, for us in the future about just the barriers to, um, hourly employees versus salaried employees. And I see it so vastly in my place of employment and predominant hourly workers are are people of color. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's interesting to me what I have the privilege to take for granted about time off. Anyways, so there's like layers to this that like, if you can quickly move past and don't think that these things are real, again, check your privilege. Well, it's the funny thing about uh, this overturning of Roe v. Wade is, you know, there, I think for years, people have been out there like, that problem doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to do anything about it. That problem doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to do anything about it. Here comes the problem that affects everybody, and now people are like, what the hell are we going to do? Like, you know what I mean? It's a little bit of, okay, like, this has been, this isn't new. Like, do you know what I'm saying? I don't. I mean, I don't know how to articulate it very well, but I do think, like, one of the things that we have to step back on as people, and you started to talk about this already, but the people that are in control, right? So these five individuals decided this fate. And the power and control in this country is so disproportionate. It is not representative of people. It is not representative of people of color. Um, it, I mean, it's just, and, and to top off that power dynamic is the, the uh, money dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like we're, anyway, well, right. I'm I rambling mean, so and shit jabbering because I'm angry. 70% of the country supports abortion laws. And five people made a decision. No, seventy percent of the country supports abortion. Abortion rights. rights. Yeah, sorry, abortion yep. rights. Right, and five people made a decision that, like, that is the seat of power. And five so, people who, who actually said they those, wouldn't, who perjured who said themselves. they wouldn't, right. but also who several of those people obtained their seat by being in the minority party. Mm-hmm. They're they're the president that was in office didn't even win the popular vote. Right. So we are literally being controlled by people who aren't doing what's best for people. Not only that, can I just go back and say, they put the law of abortion, or they put abortion rights back to the states after just a few minutes ago (laughs) saying that gun laws could not go to the states. Like it doesn't even, it fucking doesn't even make sense. And Natasha, don't tell me what to do with my vaccine. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me what to do with my body. But we're going to tell you what to do with your uterus as women. Like I, I'm going to tell you right now, my my female identity is fired up. Like I have about <laughs> nary a piece of patience for a man right now, and I'm very sorry, men who are listening. Like I just, I don't to be, you know, like so. I have a lot of privilege, and I am white, and that keeps me a first class citizen in a lot of places. But being a woman is a constant second class citizen. Like I. 
I am mm-hmm. a higher class citizen than you if we're doing hierarchy, right? But having, being a woman is like, I don't need one more man to talk to me about my rights, my health care, my doctor. Like you just like, just take yourself just take yourself somewhere else and talk to somebody else. Don't talk to me today. Why, why do you think we as a country think it's we should have any say in what other people do with their bodies? Like, Power and... I mean, I get, there's no I mean, religion. Christianity. The, the self-righteous Jesus and John Wayne of like this country being founded on patriarchy and power of men, traditional family values of a man and a woman, submissive... Women How do other women men? feel it? How do other women do that? So if you have a, a uterus and the ability to have a child or had a, the, a uterus and the ability to have a child at some point, how do you do that to someone else? How do you decide that? I don't want to be controlled in any facet of my life. Why are you going to control my ability to have a child? So here's what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this on the pod. I am pro-choice. I wouldn't choose that for myself, but I am, and I don't care why. I'm not saying in, if someone's raped, if there's incest, I'm saying if you are a woman or you are a person that can bear a child and you choose to have an abortion, that is your choice and never, ever going to be my choice. And I will never understand how we as a country have come to a point where we've allowed five people to decide they get to make that decision for other people. And that, that, those five people representing a party who is now talking about um, human rights, the mm-hmm. human rights that fetuses have from, you know, time of inception, you know, the, yes, now, I- now you're going to talk about, so you let these, ba- these babies be born. And then you talk to me about human rights. And I believe there is a, there is a conversation around, well, they did that to themselves. Well, Natasha don't have sex. Well, Natasha, like reckless life choices. Like that isn't about like, they should make better choices, Natasha. Two things I read, um, recently, um, one was about like, if you don't know anyone that's had an abortion, it's probably because they don't trust you enough to talk about it. So this stigma that somehow having an abortion is, you know, like you said, reckless, the choices, you did this to, to yourself as opposed to the several other reasons. Um, somebody I know on the social medias um, wrote a whole story about how she recently was diagnosed with uterine cancer. And when she went in to get a checkup for her uterine cancer, she was pregnant with twins. She had to make a choice over her body. How, how is that reckless? I mean, I don't even understand how someone's health is then suddenly wrecked. Wreck, or like, I think I don't think it's in that situation. I think somebody who is, I don't know. I think somebody would maybe maybe understand a situation like that. I think there's the there's the you got pregnant when you were 19 or 20 and that was, you, you know, you, you were out the, the outlier conversation of like, that was, you know, you were dating somebody, you didn't want to marry him. You got pregnant. It was a mistake. And how dare you abort that life? Like, how dare you? I mean, there is so much white power and privilege mm-hmm. in that. And I just totally believe that. I believe that is, there is so much white ethno state beliefs in all of this conversation. 100%. I just, I just do. And, 
like I can't think of other scenarios where I'm watching like people of color talking about this conversation in a way that isn't like let people choose. Yeah, I just I everything my mind continues to go back to the man and the woman and their little family in their home, mm-hmm. going to church, praying every day, reading the Bible. He goes to work, she stays home. Yep. I mean, just honey, who should I vote for? Yep. Honey, who are you going to vote for? Honey, man what, has all what the, are you going to do, honey? Man has all the money. Mm-hmm. Woman gets an allowance. Woman looks to man to make the decision, tell me what to do. I mean, it's so yes, all of that. And the other thing I read was how um, you know, people are pro-life, you know, when a ch- you know what I mean, when there's a fetus up until a school shooting. Right. I mean, that is that's what we've become. Like the choices that we're allowing our country to make and the fact that there is no ability to stop and say, this is illogical. Like we won't ban AR-15 rifles. That's a choice. You can have those or you can run the All fucking day streets long, with make those. That choice. You, that's a choice. It is my choice to own a weapon. It is my choice to go but into Natasha, the, the Starbucks the with my weapon. The Constitution specifically said that you have the right to bear arms. Specifically, Molly, N- Natasha, Molly, the bullets were not did even not, a, bullets na- didn't even na- exist. Doesn't in the matter if it was a musket, Natasha. So the, only the musket balls are constitutionally Natasha, it doesn't matter. Acceptable. The Constitution did not include the word abortion. It did include the right to bear arms. I, w- I wish you would understand. I wish that. I would understand that too, because it's fucking stupid. I mean, that's the that's I mean, the it, argument. It's not an argument. That's that is what it is not an that argument. Is what pro life people believe. What is and the I need man? A... The man that I heard. It's there's a there's an organization called Minnesota Citizens Concerned for Life or MCC MCCL yeah. or something. Um, listening to him, I was driving down to my mom's yesterday, and this guy was on the radio, and his just complete joy. He was so so filled with joy that this day had finally come, and for what? What Natasha? That life, that life, For, that not life even that. Be, we can't even take care of life in this country. We cannot even literally take care of life. We cannot guarantee safety. We cannot give health care. We cannot have a quality education. We can do nothing for life. So why are we protecting the sanctity of because, a life we can't Because protect? that man has all the privilege in the world to not need to understand that. I mean, truthfully, the more we talk about this conversation today, and we didn't really know where it was going to go, but I can, I'm continuing to go back to that man. This isn't... There, there's no personal impact on that but isn't man. It just men. We saw that godforsaken woman on CNN right, sobbing. But the, but the privilege, of joy. Of, the privilege of her to not understand that again in other places and marginalized communities, how this potentially could. They don't understand life like that. Why they don't, don't understand poverty. They don't understand not having access. Not, how can you? So how do you? How are you? How can you empathize with something you don't even learned? You are willfully ignorant. You hold power. You, you are willfully ignorant. You're trying. You're literally trying. If you can't stop in this country anymore and understand why someone would someone would make a choice or why it should be okay for someone to make their own choice about an abortion, you are willfully ignorant. That doesn't mean it's your choice. Like, cause it's not my choice to do that. I wouldn't do that, but that's not my, like, I'm not in control of one other motherfucking person's body, their body, their healthcare, that's for them to determine. And it's not these people are like, that's between a woman and her doctor and her family. It's literally just between a woman. Right. A woman and her own brain. 
And I'm real angry. I know. I know. And so I think, you know, I don't know. We talk about, you know, and these five people, I'm going to go back, you know, how did these five people get there? And, you know, I ask our listeners to just reflect on like the choices and decisions that were made along the way. And where do you think, how do you think those five people got there? Who's in your circle? Who's in your sphere that you can connect you know, six degrees of separation from the five people on the Supreme Court. You play that game with the people in your life, with your friends, with your family, with whoever, with your wine club people. And you start to figure out, you know, I was on a phone call today or a Zoom meeting with two, um, one recent high school graduate and one um, second, just finished her second year in college. And we were having a conversation and, you know, it's the first time these two young people are probably two of the most brilliant people I know. Like the things that they have done in high school and college to make an impact on equity and inclusion and identity is untouched, unmatched in my mind. It is the first time when I joined, they were already on on the call and what I heard in them was hopelessness. Like we feel hopeless. We are 18 or 19 and 22, and they feel hopeless. So you think about that. That is like legitimately the first time I've heard the younger generation, like not believe that they are fighting for something. They can see it. They see the five people. What are, what are they going to do? What are they going to do to get those five people out of there for the rest of their life that they've been appointed for? And totally. And I think the the thing that we're seeing is so many, so many of the fights that we see in Supreme Court are about people getting rights, like the fight to uh, for gay marriage, you know, the fight for interracial marriage and loving versus Virginia. Like we're fighting to do something. This is one of the first times in my lifetime, maybe only time, the Supreme Court has actually taken away rights from people. So if that's not scary enough, I don't really know. But again, Natasha, if you are a white, heterosexual, like wealthy, what, what, what rights are going to be ever taken away from you? Why would it, why, why listening to you say that? I think there are so many people who like cannot fathom that they might have a right taken away. Well, here's, <clears throat> here's the thing though. Then they're just stupid because rights were taken away. So if you're a white heterosexual female and you live in the state of South Dakota and you are raped, you have, you are get pregnant by incest, you have a child and you're not ready to, or don't want to, your health is in danger. Your right was just taken away. It was taken away. And you have financial means to probably have that right. I'm just saying your right was taken away. It was taken away. So you no longer have the right to waltz into a Planned Parenthood in South Dakota and get an abortion. You don't have to go somewhere else to do so. So I think it's a real fucking leap to me if you're sitting there saying, well, eh, eh, I can still run on over to Minnesota if I want to. Like, that's problematic. Mm-hmm. And I and I, and I also agree with you because I do believe that there are people who are like, their rights weren't taken away, right? Or they don't feel their rights were taken away. And I think there's, oh, God. Anyway. Right. I mean, so I think that it's a, it is a, it is a scary, it's dangerous. I'm going to, you know, like, you and I are in this relationship. There are a lot of questions on the table about what this relationship, what what we're going to listen to coming up about this relationship, and who's going to have all many levels on many levels. Who's going to have all sorts of things to say about you know what happens here? Like mm-hmm. it, it is in 
I don't actually care what happens in the house next to me. In fact, I'd rather not know. Oh my God. Knowing, I, don't. I so don't want to know. I mean, like a- at all. And you know what's scarier about things like this? So if you're a person who's sitting there like, ah, whatever, this is emboldening people. This mm-hmm. is emboldening fights to continue to take away rights. So those people that are just, those motherfuckers, when in 2015, Hillary Clinton said this would happen. Mm-hmm. It has happened. So now there's people out there saying that, oh, don't say Loving versus Virginia is going away, or don't say Ober, I don't, you know, Oberfeld is going away. Uh, you guys are just fear mongering. What happened now? Right. What happened to, what happened, well, it was yesterday. Right. That's not fear mongering. That's like, that is reality. And until people start living in reality, we are a crumbling, and I think, broken yeah, democracy. Living in reality, if you have to, but I think there's such a, again with the wealth gap in this country. I think there's such an I mean, ability true. for a lot of people to not have to live in reality. It doesn't touch me. It doesn't impact me. I'm beyond my my mothering years. I, you know, it's like it doesn't matter. I think there is such a. I do. I think it is a Jesus and John Wayne mentality of like it's reckless behavior of women making, you know drunken decisions by, and again, when we talk about incest and we talk about rape to, with women, who who's doing that? That's right. Men, men are doing that. And then men are in positions to me. It is like, yeah, the women didn't rape and incest no, themselves. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. So again, men with power and dominance over women, and then men with power and dominance on a court for the rest of their lives to make decisions that take those rights away. I like mean, we, it is, it is patriarchy at its finest. Get the book, read it, be in conversation. Like we're fucked. We are. And I, I don't know, like I, these, the midterm elections are like, it is serious. These midterm elections coming up in November. I know Natasha, I know. I think they are. And I have so little hope. I anymore. little hope. So here's what I think about the midterm elections. For me, why the midterm elections are important, so it doesn't get worse. My midterm elections aren't important because I think it's going to get better, or no. somebody's going to fix something no. or do something. No, the midterm elections to me are important so that it doesn't get any worse than it is right now. That's a great. That's a great summary. I mean, I, mean, I just it it is what it is the difference between. Uh, what somebody just told me this, it's the difference between like realism and pragmatism. You know, it's like I can I can be like, or an idealist in pragmatism, sorry. Like I can be an idealist and I can think like, I want our system to look a certain way, but like, that's not what is ideal is not what is real. And so how do you function in what is real in a pragmatic way? And that is you vote within the system that we have and you vote in a way that doesn't enable the GOP period. Like, and if you don't do that, if you are an idealist or you believe well, it's just a throwaway vote, so I'm not going to do that. Coming up to the midterms, I'm going to tell you, like, that idealistic world, I am not saying this got us anywhere, but but that isn't going to get us anywhere either. And it well, is a, your point is, it's really, really important. Like, it can and will get worse. Amen. Amen. Deuces. We're just ending on that. Thank you.